David, it's uh, time for the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio, and who's here but your delightful and oldest host, Chuck Cook. It's great to be back on time. No, no, no. Let me clarify, I'm not oldest. Uh, My grandfather had the best saying when somebody would ask how he was doing, and and, uh, keep in mind, this was at uh, 83, 84 years old. Yep. Uh, He would say he was just suffering from extreme maturity. (laughs) <laughs> so we don't have the oldest host. We have the most mature. Mature host on the show. That's exactly on this show. I know you have a lot of old people out here, uh, <laughs> uh, not including Thank yourself. You. Yeah, right. Um, but you and I were just talking uh, about the garden update uh, here on the Immigration <laughs> Hour. Uh, I, I'll tell you, it was a great tomato year, David. For me, it was. It was my best tomato year ever. My, my um, tomatoes had the same problem. Uh, the the mildew. Oh, did you know you can spray it? If you do it early, milk and, and water. Yeah, that, that that'll get the, get the um, uh, the blight. To, to, yeah. the, the key is really the soil, and maybe you just need to do a better job of mending your soil, uh, or maybe you need to replace your soil and put in stuff from the, from the store. I, I generally what I do. I don't know what you do, but generally what I do is I have a eh, quasi compost where I put my clippings and leaves. Quasi, and exactly. And and so I, I take the bottom, I turn it, and mm-hmm. I get the good, rich black. Mm-hmm. And then I go in at the end of the year, except I'm not going to have an end of the year this year. I've, I've already planted uh, Brussels sprouts. Oh, so you've gone with the winter garden. I have not done yeah. that yet. I've been thinking about that. Plenty of time still to do that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I just haven't had time. So I've been thinking about that. But no, the... Uh, I still my pepper plants are still just now. That's I have the only thing that's growing like crazy. I have the most amazing pepper plants. I'm not getting a lot of an enormous number of peppers, but I am getting the plants are beautiful. Oh, by uh, the way, let me throw out some jalapenos. I got them by the no my, the my jalapenos did not produce. My habaneros produced. Do you need some jalapenos? No, I do not need habanero. I but you know what? You know what I've done, and this is and this, I went online for this because. You know, even I was having trouble with my jalapenos being just too hot. Uh-huh. But you know what you can do, and it works like a charm, is you take them, you clean them, mm-hmm. you take the seeds out yeah. of the membrane, and then you put them in ice water, mm-hmm. ice and a little bit of water. Right. Let them out and so forth. And depending on how strong you want them or how hot you want them, that's when you pull them out. If you want them mild, I've got jalapenos right. that... Tastes like bell peppers. Really? Yeah, they have just a little, just a little, little, little touch little to them. Point. But they're super. Well, I mean, it's that and my gourds. My gourds are still going. I've got. What did I bring you a gourd? No. I just give them away. I just, they, they make nice oh. decorations at Halloween. Put a hole in them and get the birds. Yeah, I mean, you can literally hollow them out when they dry and then uh, then let the birds nest in them. Um, they can hang them from trees and stuff. Uh, but what I like about them is they're so easy to grow. <laughs> they're so easy to grow. Uh, so, it, it, you know, it's in Brenna's. But my pumpkins died. My pumpkins, the vines just died. Along with my watermelons during that break, I, when I was in Peru, where it didn't rain for 10 days, and my son, I, I forgot to water the garden. I forgot to bring water down there during the hottest time of the year when we had no rain. Just like parched earth. Peppers loved it, but nothing else did. This has been a very strange garden. I am still pulling carrots out, by the way. Yeah, but my, are you getting full-size carrots? I'm getting it. Well, I have different times. I have Parisian round ones, which are full-size. I'm getting uh, Corotas, which are about this long, about four inches long. They're coming out. <clears throat> and I've got some other ones that aren't doing that well. It just depends on where they are. But I have kind of let my garden go to weed and seed uh, for the most part. And that's kind of what I do every year. 
Now, I did experiment this year. I bought black cloth this year, and I put it on yeah, in one row. I put it in one row, and there isn't a weed in sight in that row. So this next year, I'm going to put black cloth in every walkway in my what, garden. What kind of black cloth? It's just that, that, that garden cloth that you buy at oh, Home Depot. Home Depot? Okay. Yeah, I got a big giant roll of it, and I just put one eight-foot section down. and it, I was going to put more down, but I'd spaced my rows too close. <laughs> so I, only one row fit, but wow. uh, that's kind of where the garden is this year. And so we'll be we'll be keeping getting pepper. Oh, my I, potatoes have been good. I took about twenty pounds of potatoes out over the weekend, and I haven't even touched my sweet potatoes yet. Yeah, when do you touch your? How do you know when to go for your sweet potatoes? My only way of rule of thumb is dig dig one down and see see how big it is. See what happens. Yeah, the key with them you can't leave them in the ground too long; they'll rot. Well, mine are probably rotted anyway. But they're, they're a good 90 to 120 day crop, so three or four months. Uh, shall we segue into Oh, We better do the immigration. You know, Rocky's not here. I don't know where Rocky is. He may be in court for all I know today. I was in court today, Dave, and I got to tell you a little experience this morning. I was there for what really a very simple, straightforward case, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Government agreed, actually. We got a very quick hearing. Uh, but when I walked out the, co- the courthouse door, so you have to go through a metal detector to get into immigration court. There was a line, <clears throat> probably a hundred people long, and seventy of those people were kids. And we talked about this crisis at the border. This the number of kids coming in, more and more are coming to Georgia because mom and dads are here, um, and so more and more of them coming in. Now today was a court day for kids. But it was really heartbreaking to see this line of children. I mean, some some were in, some were tiny. Some were five, six years old. Oh. Other teenagers. They should be in school. Who, who's supporting them? Or, or, I don't want to. Well, say they're mostly mom and dad. I, I don't want to say support. That's not the right. Well, they're living with mom so or dad or aunt or uncle. To, to hear though. Well, how do they get to Georgia? Yeah. Department of Health and Human Services uh, either flies them or puts them on a bus. How do they know? They do a background check on a, relatives that come forward and say, hey, you've got my son. Look, if you're, if you're a mom or dad and you've been here for 15 years on TPS and you send for your kid, I mean, you pay, the, I mean, you smuggle them in, the border, you know they're there. I mean, they, they probably, probably call me before you go across the border. So they know, you know, go up to the nice man in the black uniform and a gun and say you want, you know, your mom and dad is here. So they get a call. And so they, they then go to call ICE say, look, my kid's here. Uh, and they go through a background check with health and human services, fingerprints, uh, criminal check, and then they're turned over to mom or dad under the auspices of health and human services who are in charge of resettling uh, children and immigrants. Were you uh, disappointed in your president yesterday? Uh, some folks thought that he was lying back, one, either to see you, and we knew that one. Yeah, I knew he was coming to see me because he hadn't made an appointment. But... Uh, <laughs> but uh, the other thing was that suppose some folks thought he might be coming back to announce his... Yeah, I heard that. I had a friend on Facebook who said, that's what he's coming back for. That you know, he, he's not coming back for that. Because he doesn't know a squat. What's He doesn't care enough. I, I heard a great thing this morning on Morning Joe, my favorite uh, morning uh, conservative dose uh, with a touch of reality as well. Uh, and... Uh, the Democrats are whining about how out of touch Barack Obama personally is. He's just not a friendly guy. And he's not really a good golfer either. For a guy who's played 150 rounds of golf, you'd think he'd have a pretty scrub handicap of the last four years, but he does not. Um, but you know, what I didn't hear today, he's only ever invited, in all his time as president, two congressmen to play golf with him. 
That stunned me. Look, if you're going to take the time to play well, golf, one of them is Boehner. One of them is Boehner, exactly. I don't know who one of their comments played. Two in five. And I'm thinking, look, if, if I was president, I would play that much golf. So let's be clear about this. I am not faulting the guy for playing golf. I would do the same thing, but I would bring with me every time I played a member of Congress or two, just to get to know that. Apparently, he hates that. He hates. He doesn't have many friends. I mean, real friends. He's just not a chummy guy. He doesn't like hanging out with people. Apparently, he didn't like to do it when he was in the Senate. So I knew he wasn't going to come. He doesn't care. You know, what he's looking for is, okay, I've got political pressure I must deal with. Uh, so at the end of the day, I knew he wasn't coming back for that. Some of my friends, oh, no. Uh, word that I have is that you're looking at early September when an announcement of some kind is going to be made, which really is stupid, in my opinion. Because if you were really going to do this the right way, you would have done it while Congress was out of session. You know, the reality is many Republicans want him to do it as well. Alberto Gonzalez, you know, your former Attorney General, Alberto Gonzalez, you remember? He wrote, a, he wrote an op-ed in the USA Today saying the President has authority to do this, he should be bold with this, he should solve this issue. He's a Republican. Exactly. There's a lot of Repu- You don't think he wrote that on his own, do you? <laughs> No, clearly he's being pushed to write that as a former Republican AG. There's a lot of members of the GOP that want this issue to go away. And Obama can make that go away for them. Whereas Democrats are afraid that if he makes it go away, they won't have that wedge issue anymore. So, I mean, it's funny, and, and, and and, and activists are so concerned about Democrats convincing Obama to do nothing or very little that they wrote a letter to the Democrats saying, if you do this, if he doesn't come out bold, you are dead to us. We are coming after you. The Democrats. Uh, so uh, I think this is going to be really interesting next couple weeks. Uh, it's not It's not going to happen before the break. He has to go back and play golf again. Um, and uh, my only hope is that it's not during a time when I'm, out of, when, out of, when I'm out of state next week when I take my son out to college. So... Uh, uh, my youngest son, I had to drive him back to school. Oh, okay. Because I, uh, I met your my oldest son. son. Yeah, yeah, my oldest son. My middle son's in school out there. This is my youngest son has been home for the summer. He's going to go back. I'll uh, drive him back there uh, with his vehicle. You know, can I come ahead? This is not really immigration, but it it, it is in a way because it, we've seen it now for for some, uh, six years. And you're one of the elder statesmen, and notice I said statesman, and it doesn't mean that you're old, but you're a statesman. I agree with that. Um, And I've been around for a long time, and in fact, I can remember uh, back in the early, early 50s, as I had been three, four, well, four or five years old, keeping up with politics and keeping up with Adelaide Stevenson Mm -hmm. and running against Eisenhower twice and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Uh, I don't remember the bombing of Japan, but I was born there. Or no, I wasn't born yet. Uh, but getting close. Anyway, I I can't, and I and I had my dislikes for for many presidents, uh, Carter being one of them. But can you, since you've been going many years now, or years, and, and obviously keeping track. Have you ever seen an administration this bad? You know, 
And across the board, it's just not it, just immigration. It's everything he does. You know, I think what we've gotten used to as a country is that we're just going to hate the president no matter who he is. Uh, if, if you if we put on our thinking cap and go, okay, what did I think about George Bush five and a half years in? Oh man, he was the worst president ever. He was an idiot. He got us into wars. The economies, and I mean, there was all this stuff going on. So I I'm, I am unprepared to say that it's the worst I've ever remember because Bush is still in my brain. Remember Clinton? What, what was happening to Clinton five and a half years in? That's when he got impeached. Worst president ever. Um, you know, so what was happened to Reagan five and a half years in? And so I don't think, I'm not prepared to say it's worse worst president. I am prepared to say this, though. He is a disappointment, and he is a coward in the context of carrying out the agenda that he promised the people that voted for him he would carry out. Well, and he can't blame, he can't blame, he can blame Congress, obviously, a little bit, but there's things he could do that he has not, he has not led. And it is, I think, one of the particularly disappointing things recently. It's not immigration related, but it's happening in Ferguson, Missouri. You know, wherever you are on that issue, that's an issue that requires leadership. And the only person that's gone in there is the governor. Where's Obama? Obama says, well, I don't know about the National Guard thing. You know, his job is not to second. His job is to say, a Democratic governor, by the way, what do you need? You need me to be there? I'm there tomorrow. You don't want me to be there? I won't be there. What do you want me to say? I'm there for you. That's what you do as president. As a leader. As a leader. That's what a leader does. Has he done that? No. He's just kind of armchair quarterback from his vacation property. You know, this is where you and I... I I don't think George W. was the best. But at least he made some decisions. He did. I I mean, one thing you have to admire about George Bush... Once he made a decision, that was it. And he supported it, and he worked on it, and he never let it go. Yeah. And I can't see that this guy, I listened to his speech yesterday, <clears throat> and, you know, and he, I don't know that he's ever come out and addressed the, the border issue. Well, he did it in a remarkably disappointing way, I will, I will tell you that. Well, there's a problem down on the border. Well, yeah, yeah I think we yeah. all knew that. You know, and I'm not going to go down for a photo op. Yeah, you know what? What he was afraid of is going down there, and you know, while this is like the Sarah Palin moment when she's at a turkey farm at Thanksgiving, and they're chopping the turkey's head off behind her. <laughs> she's pardoning the turkey. It was hilarious. Uh, he was afraid of a moment like that. Let's take a break here on the immigration. And I'll be back. Talk more about immigration politics. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national. Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. 
That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. It's great to be back, David. I'm, I haven't been a whole show in quite some time, and I'm, I'm kind of lost for how we start off here. Hopefully, Rocky will come today. I think Rocky actually may have court, uh, which is why he's probably running a little bit late. Uh, but this Obama thing, as far as him coming into town and the idea that he was going to go ahead and pass or at least indicate whether or not there would be some immigration issue going on, um, you know, very weird. Uh, I, I, I just didn't think he was capable of doing that. And what I'm, what I'm sure of now is that he's not. So he's gone. He's not going to have immigration until the first week of, uh, of September. What is he going to talk about? I get Now I'm getting a lot more questions. Okay, everybody knows Obama has committed. So now he's painted the room, and he's in a corner. So now he's got to get out of the room, so he's got to do something, right? Uh, so what's he going to do? And, of course, as, as your resident prognosticator on all things immigration, uh, my guesstimate is that he will not do the bold thing. He will not do the expansive thing. He will not do the necessary thing. He will do the barely there thing. Okay, let me ask you something. Being the knowledgeable person, mm-hmm. how big a fool would he be to do it in the first week of September? Okay. What is the first week of September? Labor Day. Exactly. Yeah. How stupid could you be and say, ouch? Yeah, well... You couldn't say, I mean, maybe put it off to the second week, maybe. Maybe that's what he'll do, but all indications are it's, it'll be Labor because he's supposed to make a couple big pronouncements Labor Day week. So that's the title that we're hearing. Uh, now, David, I know you, you tore up your union card several years ago. You must have a union card. You're in radio. Aren't you a member of the union? No. Oh, shh. <laughs> well, we're a union-free shop here. No wonder. We are. <laughs> and I'll shoot them if they walk in the night. <laughs> uh, so here we have, what will Obama do? Well, I think what he's going to do for sure is say, you know what, We uh, if we run across you and you have only have like a traffic offense, we're not going to put you in deportation proceedings. That's the least he could do which is basically kind of what they're doing now to a certain extent. Uh, I, I, if he does more than that, I will be stunned. Because more than that means he's not as big a coward as I thought he was. Now, what he could do, very simply, is this. We know, and you know we talk on the show many times, one of the reasons why we have 12 million people in the U.S. and it doesn't get any smaller is because of the 3- and 10-year bars. That once you come in illegally, even if you leave, you can't come back for 10 years. We know that's a big problem. And we also know that there's somewhere in the neighborhood of maybe 3 million people that either have a U.S. citizen spouse or a 21-year-old U.S. citizen child, both of whom can petition somebody. But both of whom would require that then undocumented immigrant to leave the country before they can get a green card. So what Obama could do, now Obama can't change the three and ten year bars, but he can do exactly what he's done for the U.S. military members. If you are in the United States military and you have a spouse or a parent that is undocumented, 
you can apply to the immigration service for what's called parole in place. Basically, you're saying, look, uh, I'm in the military serving, serving, serving the country. Basically, allow my parents, my spouse, to be changed from undocumented to a parole status. It's like sprinkling magic fairy dust on your head. I'll pay a fee, and once they're paroled, they can get a green card in like three to four months. Bam. Obama could expand that program to anyone who's a U.S. citizen, or not just military members. He could do that. It's perfectly within his authority to do that. That would be bold. Because then you re- you actually reduce, you don't not just, you know, I mean, you reduce the actual undocumented immigration population in America by 25% overnight. It'd be a remarkable thing. Uh, the other thing that you could do is say, look, okay, not everybody's got kids, not everybody's got a wife. If you've been in the U.S. for longer than 10 years, and you have children that are minor children, or you have a DACA kid, you come forward, pay a, you know, take your fingerprints, you pay a fee, uh, we will give you deferred action, a work permit, good for two years, and then we'll go from there. That's another two to three million people overnight. So five to six million people overnight, two very simple, easy things he could do. 80% of the undocumented population in America has been here longer than 10 years. Wow. That's a big number. 80%. I mean, you talk about 10, 10 of the 12, they've been here for longer than longer than that. And the reason is, well, why is it such a big percentage? Because border enforcement works. They literally just haven't had the volume of people coming up in the last five years. One, the recession. Two, there is actual border enforcement going on. That's why you don't have a million people coming into the U.S. Anymore, a year anymore, or three million coming in a year. Uh, you might have a couple hundred thousand coming in a year, plus overstays. So you've got, you've got two very simple solutions he could do. Now, he'd be a fool to limit himself to just those two. Because he could do something for legal, because here's the thing, you're going to let all these illegal aliens in the country, what about me who waited in the line? Now, Obama can't change the line. He can't add green card. That's a congressional number. Congress decides people give you But he could do something that is just as good. It is by regulation that we count spouses and children of immigrants as part of the overall immigrant numbers. So if every any given year we allow in 65,000 brothers and sisters of U.S. citizens... We're not allowing in 65,000 brothers and sisters of U.S. citizens. We're allowing in 25,000 plus their wife, plus their kids. That's why the line gets so long. So what he could do administratively is say, we are no longer going to count wives and children. What happens to the lines at that point? Ah, great question. On the employment-based side, which currently takes, for for example, for Indian or Mexican nationals, somewhere in the neighborhood with a bachelor's degree, 10 to 12 years to get a green card, or longer, the line would be to two years. Now, that's a line. Two years. I can wait two years. Three years. I can wait for that. He could do family-based numbers, go from decades-long waits to five to seven years. Reasonable numbers for waits. 
Nobody minds waiting in a reasonable line. I have yet to meet anybody who minds waiting in a reasonable line. He could do that overnight, instantaneously. Just like that. Three very simple things that that solve a vast majority of the undocumented immigration problem in America and the legal immigration problem in America. Now, there's still lots of other issues out there, but if he does that, and he also says, at the border, here's what we're going to do with the money you have given us, Congress, here's what we're going to do. Boom, 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 in regard to enforcement priorities at the border. Really? I mean, if I was President David, this would have been done five and a half years ago. I don't think he has and this is just observation, the people around him to suggest quality programs like you do. Let me ask, you you, you made an interesting statement that he legally, or he can't change the laws. Right. All right. A I'm, talking lot about, of, I'm talking about physically he can't rewrite laws. Right, right. But... He did in Obamacare. That's where you go. But, but no, he didn't. He didn't rewrite the laws. What did he do? He just went around them. He, regulation. This is where Congress gets in trouble all the time. Congress writes very broad laws and lets the executive branch fill in the details. Well, let me ask. The devil uh, is in those details. In the my details, friend. yeah. Let me. How did he go from the children that have come in from Central America and South America and so forth? How did they go from from undocumented or illegal, and now? They are called refugees, and you've got to give them schooling if they're refugees. Well, he, he, nothing, this has nothing to do with Obama. Okay, this is the law Congress passed. The reality is, what is refugee? When you, when you sit in your seat and you go, when I say the word refugee, what's the first thing that pops into your mind? Well, start my, my, my definition would be a refugee from a war zone situation. All right. All right. So you're thinking of Iraqis, yeah, uh, Sudanese. Yeah. That's your idea of a refugee. That's not the definition of a refugee in the law written by Congress 50 years ago. Refugee is somebody who is fleeing for their lives, for whatever reason it happens to be. Okay. So are these kids refugees? I think they are, frankly. I think many of them are. Not all of them, but I think many of them are actual refugees. David, I've met with these kids. I've met with, with a good number of these kids. When they tell me what they have been through, if I told you that stuff, you would think they were refugees too. Because there is a war going on in these countries. It, it's a covert war. It's a hidden war. It's a war that we allowed to happen, and we continue to allow to happen, by supporting corrupt and incompetent governments. <laughs> uh, which we do all over the world, of course. Because yeah, they're a friend. Hey, but it's our incompetent government. Um, so... But these kids, they're not actually being admitted. That's Here's the trick, David. They're not, I call them refugees. They're not being admitted as refugees. Okay, refugees, when they come in the country, are actually given benefits. They are, they've given resettlement funds for six months. They are moved to locations. They are, there's help being fine for jobs. These kids are not being treated as refugees. They're being treated as undocumented immigrants who happen to be children. And they have to go to court, and they have to present their cases, and they have to do exactly what you and I would do if we came into the country illegally. Okay, but because Congress said when children come in, we have elected when they're alone, we do not keep children in custody. We find a place for their own mental well-being and psychological well-being. We find a place where they're secure. Okay, that could be with a relative, 
could be with a parent, could be with a social service organization or a home. That's what we do. Now, Governor Deal came out and said, oh, you're sending all these kids to Georgia. In fact, they'd sent very few to Georgia, a handful, uh, over the period of the last couple of months and over the last year, less than 1,000 or less than 1,100. Really a, a meaningless amount of, of, of a number of kids. Uh, but at the same time, when you have sat in court and watched a judge deport a five-year-old, your perspective changes. It is not a good thing. A good friend of mine, Obama, was looking for temporary immigration judges recently because they have way too many kids and way too many cases, not enough judges. And so he called a friend of mine to be a judge. He's retired, he's about 75 years old, really a good guy, great lawyer, uh, but he's retired now the last couple of years. And he says he thought about it, and he said, you know, I don't think I want to end my life deporting children. And that's where we go. Let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano o tiene problemas con inmigración o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. Hi, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. and listen to the Doctors' Lounge, where you get a private insight into the conversations that doctors have amongst themselves. Join us Thursday, 8 a.m. every week. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And we're back. Hey, welcome back to uh, the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. I guess The Rock is not coming today. Um, uh, mostly, I think, because he must have court. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss Rocky. He's always fun to have around. Uh, Rocky actually, I didn't think about it, he actually may be uh, down in, uh, in Stewart today. You know, he loves Stewart. He loves going down there. Should I, I think he's going to buy a condo down there. You should ask him about that next time he comes. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he had said he was actually charging a Lear to... Uh, Exactly. Uh, to, my, to my personal credit card? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that instead of driving, he was just going to start flying. He thought that was apropos. It's probably just easier that way. They uh, just can't find a strip. Uh, is a landing what, strip. Is that what it is? <laughs> landing strip. I think if he just gets a helicopter. Well, that'd work. I think that'd be fine. Yeah. Just get a helicopter. Well, would they let him land on your new building? Uh, that's a great question. I should ask them but that's possible. Yeah. You want a helipad. Yeah, that's, was, that should be no problem at all. It was in the bricks up there. would be good shape. Yeah, a couple of bricks up there. No problem. I, I think I'll skip that. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, the, uh, the the fun thing going on, of course, is this guessing game about what Obama is going to do. Uh, the frustrating part about this is um, 
how slow he is. And, and the lie that, oh, I'm having my people investigate what I get. I mean, really? Okay, you might want to lie to the general public, but to us, you don't want to lie. You don't want to lie. You just want to delay. Because you know what you can do. Or certainly you should know what you can do. Your people know what they can do. Uh, and there, I can you imagine they're saying, well, if we do this, we've got to worry about this guy's district in Missouri. We do this, we've got to worry about this guy's district in Texas. If we do, you know they're just playing politics with people's lives. You, you know they're absolutely doing that. Okay? Now, uh, let me ask you, would you, even if it was against your <clears throat> belief or your philosophy or whatever, I, I, I'm of the opinion, personally, <coughs> at my age, I'd rather see somebody take bold action, declarative action, than no action at all. I agree. I agree. Even if he puts in, puts in place a massively progressive agenda, at least have the guts. If that's what you ran on, have the guts to stand behind it. Have the guts to stand behind it. And you'll be respected a lot more. Okay, he was an idiot, but man, he acted strong in his beliefs. It's like Bush. Okay, I didn't agree with what he did. But man, the guy had a, he had the conviction of it. He had the you know he had the power of his conviction behind him, and more power to him. So many people don't have that. They're not willing. They're more worried about the consequence of what they're going to do as it as it pertains to them personally and their power or how people view them, rather than how they feel or how they actually believe. Uh, and that's why you get poor political leadership. And we got it. That we do. You know, the sad part is this is not something limited to parties either. I, mean, I look here. I look here at Georgia, David. Why are we fiftieth in un- other than okay? We're 49th in unemployment. Why do we have the second highest unemployment rate in the country in Georgia? Why? You know, I wish I could answer that because I can't hire anybody. No, you're talking about we have the second highest unemployment rate in Georgia. Uh, you've got. Um, the lowest regulation of any state in the country. Uh, you've got no unions. You, I mean, everything that it, Republicans say is supposed to lead to fast growth and job growth, they've done here. And we have the high, second highest unemployment. Thank God for Mississippi. <laughs> uh, why is that? They're worse. They're the 50th. Yeah, they're, they're, 50. The they're, they're, they're the 49th. Why, why, why is that? I don't know. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. We're 50th in real job growth. Yeah, we, we've actually had lots of jobs move here, but 50th in job growth percentage-wise. Uh, the only part Why? that I could possibly address is, and, I, and I, I'm pulling this out of the air, there, there is something wrong when businesses can't hire. Mm-hmm. I know of several situations, here being one, uh, what I have interviewed has been less than competent, and if I'm going to do it and have and pay somebody to do it too, then you <laughs> I'll, the I'll cut out the middleman. Exactly you know? right. And I know of several retail situations; they can't hire people. I agree. They I agree. can't hire them, and yet they're out there. So then, the only thing I can assume: people have to eat, people have to buy stuff, so. It has to be something to do with the welfare system. It's got to be. You know, this idea that we continue unemployment benefits indefinitely yeah. is wrong. No question. It's just wrong because there are jobs out there. I had a friend, I was talking to him the other day. He had a friend that was out of work. He got laid off. Uh, and um, he, 
it was a it was an executive level job, you know, mid management, uh, you know, six figure salary. And he got laid off, and he said, "You know, I've always wanted to work at McDonald's." So he went to work at McDonald's, making seven, eight twenty-five an hour. So he did it for a month. He said that was an interesting experience. Went to go work at Kroger, making eight twenty-five an hour. He he went through the while he was looking for work, he went through these series of minimum wage jobs because he'd never had them before, oddly enough. And he says when he came out the back end of it six months later, back in a corporate job making six figures, he had a completely different understanding about that sector of the economy, having having been involved in it and the people that work in it. Uh, and I think part of our problem today is many of us are too proud that if we lost our jobs or we needed income, we're too proud to do the hard stuff. Uh, maybe because the government makes our landing so soft. With unemployment now, so how you try to live on you try to live on welfare, and I I don't have to try to live on it because I I've got a job, I've got a company that I work with, and it's a terrible thing to have to do that. I know it's difficult, but you can't tell me that there aren't opportunities out there. You know, one of the problems we have, David, is there is a mismatch in unemployment and location. So you're in Sandy Springs. There may in Sandy Springs, the unemployment rate may only be four percent. For all we know, I don't know. I mean, the localized unemployment rate may be four percent here, which is bottom of the pickle barrel. Whereas in in uh, south of Atlanta, in in, in East uh, East Lake, the unemployment rate may be sixty percent. There's a but they can't get there from here. Okay, they can't pay. They can't come here and work for minimum wage and pay a bus fare every single day because it's financially not worth it. It's a zero sum game, and actually make money. Uh, and there are no jobs where, where folks are. So that's part of the part of the unemployment rate is that uh, that we have a mismatch in location where people live. But again, is that solvable? Sure, it's solvable. You entice companies. Okay, you've got your radio show up here, David. You know, East Lake is going to give you a tax incentive to relocate your studios down there. That makes it worth your what you can do. Governments can do stuff like that, and to incentivize you, so you can hire three from in East Lake to move forward. But there's such a mismatch between leadership and government and and their understanding of helping people that the immediate idea is, oh, there's corporate, there's all this welfare going on. Well, you don't. I mean, clearly there's a welfare problem in America and there's a welfare culture among some people in America. But that can be fixed with leadership, which we currently don't have. Ball leadership. Yeah. Unfortunately, if I moved to Eastlake, you wouldn't come down. Other than play golf, maybe. Uh, if you were down by Eastlake, uh, I would definitely come on down on a regular basis <laughs> if you could get me on the course on a regular basis. But, you know, David, one of the uh, this whole crisis at the border is actually causing a farming problem. I'm going to go back to farming and gardening. Every year, uh, U.S. farms employ, during harvest season, around 435,000 people. Now, of those 435,000 people... Um, those, are, those are immigrants. I mean, those are not, not include native workers. Those are immigrants every year. Uh, plus tens of thousands or more that are undocumented. Um, because of what's going on at the border, there's been a huge drop in the number of people willing to come work in the harvest season. And a lot of the folks that are harvesting are now aging out. They're getting too old to work. We've had these people there for you know, 20, 30 years. It's like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm 65 for 70 years old. And there's nobody to backfill those jobs because of the way the immigration system is working. So this whole immigration crisis comes home once again 
on our farmers' backs. We, we, we have the best farmers in the world, clearly. We feed the world, but we can't pick our own crops. Well, now, interesting that you bring this up, because what, what is happening in the farm industry, <clears throat> and their crops that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not smart enough to blanketly say this, but I could say there are some crops that we think could never be machine harvested. Mm-hmm. However, with that being said, some that we said 10 years ago could never be machine harvested are now being harvested by machines. Blueberries is an example. Okay, so what does that mean? And, and here again, faulting politics maybe is a better word than saying government, or government faulting... They are in their decisions. Many times, they're very not only short-sighted; they have no sight at all. Because you and I, I'm at, certainly at the age that I really don't like change. I hated moving. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm loving you. Know, you love to move. Well, because you got out of that building, and I can't wait to move either this week. But you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So a farmer is somewhat the same way. You know, everybody's the same way. We like the way to do things. We've always done yeah. them that way. Okay, so, but you, but what an invention is a master of, you know, whatever. Or, or necessity is a master of invention, mm-hmm. whatever the saying is. So this is what immigration is doing, too. When you block the people off from coming in and being able to harvest, the farmer's not going to sit there. He's going to demand the John Deere's of the world or the different manufacturers. Figure me out a way to pick my crop. Well, the, the problem and that gets into is you end up growing crops that are for machine harvest. Exactly. Which means you get engineered food. And then, well, uh, but eh, to a degree, yeah. But what's happened to the jobs that were available? They're gone. They're, They're not coming back. They're gone for good. Exactly. Um, That's pretty short-sighted, if you ask uh, me. It's remarkably short-sighted. There's a, a farmer uh, out in Ohio who said this. I get lambasted for why do I hire immigrant workers? Why don't I hire Americans, Carr said. Quote, I can clearly tell you Americans aren't out there willing to do these jobs. It's quick to share numbers to back them up. From 2010 to 2012, Carr said, he advertised for 2,000 jobs. Only 432, less than 25% of his applicants, were U.S. workers. 390 never showed up or quit on the first day. So 5% of the agricultural jobs will go to Americans. And I love his quote. you got a choice. Import your food or import your labor to harvest your food. you got to do one or the other. And uh, this, whole, this whole problem at the border is just wreaking havoc on that because, one, there is much deeper and stronger border enforcement than ever before. There just is. The great lie that, that, that this wave is coming in, we can't stop them. The reason we know about these kids is because we are stopping them. Yes, you can stand on the border, and I'm sure a film crew can catch some marijuana smuggler coming into country. They're called smugglers for a reason, okay? They know how to get around surveillance and stuff. But if you're stopping 90% of them, now what about that 1% is going to blow up the Empire State Building? You know, a risk we take with having a free country. 
But at the same time, if we're doing all we can with the money allotted, you cannot, in my opinion, on this thing, you cannot fault the Obama administration. They have done, in my opinion, way more than any other, maybe not enough for some people, but way more than any other administration on the border has done uh, in catching people coming into the country and deporting them. I think we'll probably take time for a break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. We'll be right back. Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net. Hi, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schurz, as we talk about the topics that doctors talk about amongst themselves, such as Medicare, Obamacare, alternative forms of care, and health information technology. Join us every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, Or, if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the America's Web Radio Immigration Hour, which, uh, David, I believe is still the most listened to immigration podcast in the known universe. In the known universe. the known universe. There may be places... Or within 20 miles of here. Certainly that. But <laughs> I think within the known universe is uh, is certainly close by. No, You know, I want to take two seconds on that. And thank everybody that downloads this show. I Absolutely. mean, the, the numbers are are incredible. You get a lot of emails. I from do. Peers I do. and so and people forth. are well. Email yeah. me with questions, things we things we're doing wrong, things we're doing right. We'd love to talk. Uh, if you think you should be a guest on the show, please let us know. You can reach me at ccookatimmigration.net. Um, one other thing that, as you were talking a second ago, that I I keep bringing up to people, and that's the fact that these particularly in the agri- agricultural industry uh, and in the building industry. We saw a, a flat tide of uh, people not being able to get other folks to work. I I can't really give you any example. Maybe you can because you deal with them more frequently than myself. But I couldn't come up with an example of an immigrant, documented or undocumented, that has ever taken a job away from anybody. I can give you lots of examples of them filling jobs, Mm -hmm. but actually going up and saying, my credentials are better than yours, hire me, I I couldn't give you an example of one. I've had legal immigrants that that are better qualified for a job an employer wants to hire, Uh, but that's all based on qualifications, not because, you know, this person's taking a job away from you, uh, it, on an equally qualified basis, every employer I know would hire a U.S. worker because they don't want to go through the immigration process. Nobody wants to go through this process. Trust me. I know. Nobody wants to go through this process. Um, but, uh, David, this goes back to the idea, as people make this argument, taking jobs from Americans, 
because they believe the but pie. But isn't, isn't that what every politician says? Yeah, because they, 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 they are anti-capitalists. They don't understand how the economy works. The pie is not 6.2 inches in diameter. The pie grows when you add people to it. There are more jobs when you have more people. That's just the way our capitalist society works. And so by bringing people in, by having an active, aggressive, ongoing immigration policy, we continue to grow our economy. Economies stagnate. Ask our friends in Europe when you don't have immigration and you don't have physical population growth. It just stagnates. just the way it is. Um, so by allowing this immigration bubble to exist, uh, we only hurt ourselves. We only hurt ourselves. It's, it's just like every day I wake up in the morning and say, I wonder how America will punch itself in the face today <laughs> on immigration. Or, or stab themselves yeah. in the back. Yeah, stab myself in the back, punch myself in the face. What can I do to harm myself today by talking down, uh, talking down immigration? It's, it's really um, absolutely crazy, in my opinion. Well, the two, the two things that, that you hear, in my, and you hear it a lot more than me, but one, oh, my God, we can't allow people in. They're taking our jobs. And the other thing, they immediately go on welfare. <laughs> Which is just not true. It's what? just like... <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what you hear. Yeah. But, of course, you and I both know that undocumented immigrants can't get welfare. Uh, that's where... It's, you know what I've started doing, David? I've started asking people what they mean by words. Sir, when you use the word welfare... What exactly are you talking about? Because I don't think you and I understand the word welfare the same way. Uh, and they'll say, well, you know, they go in and they, they get food stamps and they get uh, public benefits. Yeah, that, that doesn't happen. That, that's illegal. They, they don't get into that. Well, I send your kids to school. True. Supreme Court said every kid gets an education. And you do know schools are funded by property taxes and... People have to live in American apartments or houses, and they, they all pay property taxes. You understand that, right? But they're going to the emergency rooms. True, true. Uh, but we don't want anybody walking around with the bubonic plague, do we? Uh, and that's more a question of government funding as opposed to them going to the doctor. Uh, and if you had a universal health care system that actually worked, that served all Americans properly, and was a free market-based system, you don't have to worry about that, right? Uh, and in fact, undocumented immigrants go to the go to the uh, go to do the emergency room because they're not allowed to be in Obamacare. <laughs> they get shut out of Obamacare. So if you let them in Obamacare, they would get insurance and stop going to the emergency room. Uh, so I, I started asking, what do you mean by that word, amnesty? I, I got in an argument with somebody on Facebook. They kept saying, "You just want amnesty." I said, "You know, I don't think you and I understand amnesty the same way. What do you mean by amnesty?" And she wrote, somebody being forgiven a crime for, for nothing in return. So I don't believe in that either. That's, that's not, then what you're talking about is not what's happening. This is not amnesty. And after like five, going back to Facebook, they're like, oh, I guess it's not. I mean, people just throw words out there. And they have, like you said, we put our worldview in other countries. It's the same in the country. We have our idea of what that word means. The politicians are the number one criminals, and I know what that word means, in the use of that word, of, of these words. And they, they use loaded words and phrases because they believe you have a preconceived notion of what that word means, 
even even though when they talk about it, they don't really mean the same thing. Uh, so, well, and where do they get this information? I think there are actually people employed by the DNC and the RNC that just are think of words. <laughs> use this word. Okay, don't use the word abortion. Use the word uh, birth control or whatever. I'm just throwing it out there. I don't know if that's what, you know, don't use gay marriage. Use marital union. I mean, whatever that they there are wordsmiths out there that try to massage things by changing words. Well, they're just being politically correct. It's not politically correct. What they're doing is trying to get you off of a politically charged word, or they're trying to politically charge a word, amnesty, which somehow became bad. I thought that's what Jesus did, but apparently not. Um, So they, they both try to dumb down words and to poignantly change words in a way that makes it impossible for you to resist saying, yes, that visceral reaction, yes, you're right, those darn illegal aliens coming into our country, stealing our jobs and reading our Bibles and marrying our women, we got to get rid of them. It's like, whoa, where'd you get that from? Well, I heard it on Rush Limbaugh, or I heard it on Laura Ingram. Or That's my point, is they're getting misinformation, misguided information, Via our media. Yep, I agree. And I, I think it's criminal. I, I, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. Uh, so, you know, we've got a really interesting situation. Uh, Obama is on the cusp of announcing something in September, is what we hear. Uh, how will the GOP react? Now, my favorite reaction so far, and I heard this, I think it was from Crazy Jeff Sessions over in Alabama. Every time he speaks, and every time Mo Brooks speak, I thank God I don't live in Alabama. Um, that Obama is going to do this executive action because he wants us to try to impeach him. Because then he will gain political points because we are impeaching him and he will do better in the midterm elections. And I got to thinking, well... If Obama really has orchestrated this in such a way as you describe, Senator Sessions, then he must be a political savant uh, <laughs> on par with Machiavelli. Uh, he makes Bill Clinton look like a a giraffe with no brain. I mean, you really people. The thing is, people buy into that. He's making us want to impeach him. Look, there are no grounds to impeach the president. There's not. He hasn't committed a crime. Has he done stupid things? Sure. Has he done a great job fulfilling his office? No. But, you know, once we start saying we're always going to impeach a guy we don't agree with and don't like, I think we've crossed the boundary that we regret later on in life. The better strategy for the GOP is we're going to impeach again beat him in the election. Put up decent candidates in Senate races who are coherent, who don't say and do stupid stuff, and get elected and shut him down in in the Congress. That's how you beat the president. You don't need to talk about impeachment. That's just not going to happen. That's just not going to happen. And it's stupid. Because do you really want your president, who when the Democrats, because everything goes around, comes around, right? When the House and the Senate is controlled by by the Dems again, 
You want them to impeach your president? I don't think so. Uh, certain things need to be impeached for. Nixon was a prime example. Uh, beyond that, I don't think we're really playing with the same uh, same thing, uh, the same deck of hands. Uh, so, David, as I as next week uh, we may have some more dribbles on the immigration issue from Obama. A couple more dribbles. We'll see what comes out. I know that we're excited to move. So, all of my friends out there who are listening, we are moving on Friday, David, to uh, about a mile from where we currently are. About a mile, right? about a mile uh, to three sixty-five Northridge. If you be my Facebook friend, Charles Cook on Facebook, there aren't many of us. Uh, you can check out some of the pictures from the office. We're very excited. The furniture is getting put together. We, we got all new furniture. Getting rid of all our old junky stuff that we had. It's been around for fifteen years. Uh, making the investment to keep people happy and, and healthy and strong, and uh, we're very excited about the move and very excited for our clients uh, going forward. Uh, there's just uh, a lot of work to do and a lot of people to help. Uh, in conclusion, David, you know, my dad passed away about a year and a half ago. And uh, as I was taking stuff off my wall to pack, I pulled down a uh, something he had given me when I first became a lawyer in 1989. It was a, it's a wood-framed woodcutting of uh, the scale, the Lady Justice, with the scales of justice she's blindfolded. And on the back of that uh, was something very touching to me, I, and I, I don't have it exactly memorized, but I, one day I'll read it in here. Uh, but basically my dad says, you know, uh, as a lawyer, you have, a, you have an opportunity to do a lot of good in the world. Uh, don't forget the little people. Do something good every day. And at the very end, he said, and don't forget to vote Republican. <laughs> I love my dad. I love my dad. I miss my dad. Uh, so uh, that's it for this week on America's Web Radio. We'll be back next week. I'll make sure The Rock is here. And uh, we'll talk to you next week on the Immigration Hour. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.